0: This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Kahoot, And the message this morning is entitled, The King is Coming. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the book of Zechariah chapter 14. I'm going to be reading for you in just a moment verse number four. Zechariah chapter 14 and verse number four. If you have that place in your Bible, I want you to notice with me the scripture. The Bible says, And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is for Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof towards the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the south. This passage of scripture right here is dealing with the revelation of Jesus Christ. As you know, there's a big difference between the rapture and the revelation. When you read this passage of scripture, the rapture has already occurred. And now seven years after the rapture, this event in Zechariah chapter 14, verse number 4 takes place. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. As I was mentioning this past Lord's Day, there have been a lot of unforgettable days in the history of man since the creation of the world. From a biblical standpoint, time will not permit me this morning to mention them all. The majority of the world knows nothing about them anyway, and if they do know something about them, they know very little about them. And quite frankly, they could care less about it. Most of the things that the world knows about the Bible, they don't believe anyway. But just for a few moments, from a secular standpoint in history, I think we are all aware of some of these incredible, unforgettable events. As we study history throughout our lives, we are all reminded of the unforgettable day that Christopher Columbus discovered America. Most of us remember the battle that raged in that little mission in Texas where we have often recited the words, remember the Alamo. As we study history, we understand the significance of the beginning and the ending of the Civil War, the sinking of the Titanic, and America's engagement of the beginning and ending of both world wars. We remember the assassinations of John F. Kennedy and Martin Luther King, Jr. We will never forget the day when man landed on the moon and took his first step on that uncharted territory. Perhaps you will never forget the day when the Columbia Space Shuttle exploded. And how could any of us forget the 9-11 horrific terrorist attack on the United States? Perhaps we will never forget America invading Iraq and the hanging of Saddam Hussein. But I tell you today, friend, that the earth's most unforgettable day is yet to come. And it will be a day that's remembered throughout eternity. Again, it's important for us to understand that seven years after the beginning of the great tribulation, The gathering, the largest gathering of the armies in the world will align themselves together and they will come together for one purpose. They will all be determined to wipe the nation of Israel off of the face of the map. They will greatly outnumber this little nation. I'm telling you that as these armies gather themselves together, they will be the equivalency of an atomic bomb. They will advance across the Euphrates River with pride and arrogance, and just when they believe that they have reached the place of omnipotence, when they feel that they are indestructible and nothing can stop them, when they believe that they have outsmarted God Himself, according to the Scriptures, the Bible teaches us that the sainted millions will penetrate the eastern sky and the Lord Jesus himself riding a white stallion will lead the charge. It will be then that they will lift their face towards the eastern sky and see the Lord Jesus descending from the clouds with his armies. And I'm telling you today that the greatest battle, the most unforgettable day in in human history will unfold by the spoken word of his mouth the Lord Jesus Christ will pronounce judgment on every single human soul that has rebelled against God. If you have your Bibles, I want you to notice with me a passage of Scripture. The book of Jude, verses 14 and 15, lays out part of this heavenly mission. If you'll notice that scripture, the Bible says, "And Enoch also the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, "Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of His saints." Now I want you to notice that the Lord Jesus cannot come back with ten thousands of his saints until first of all, he has come back for His saints." Again, there's a huge difference between the rapture and the revelation. And the Bible says he cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Now here's the reason why. The word says to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all of their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. friend, that is going to happen. We must keep in mind that for a little over 6,000 years, the great revelation of Jesus Christ has been unfolding. Ever since the day that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, the entire universe has been moving towards this one tremendous event. Again, I'm reminding you today, the event that we're speaking about is when Christ returns to this world in power and glory. According to the scriptures, he's going to rule and reign from a thousand years from the throne of David. It will be his revelation. I'm telling you this morning that just as sure as Noah built the ark, And as Moses led the children of Israel across the Red Sea, just as sure as God delivered the three Hebrew children from the fiery furnace, and just as sure as Jesus was born and crucified and rose again from the dead, I'm telling you today, friend, the king is coming again. Now someone may say, well, pastor, just where is it in the Bible that Jesus is going to rule and reign from the throne of David. Well, this morning, take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 7. The Bible says, Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Now here it is. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, And to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, listen very carefully. When Jesus was here on this earth, he made a lot of special promises to you and me. Promises that we can rest our head at night, sleep like a baby. And, friend, these are precious promises. For example, in John chapter 6, verse number 37, Jesus said, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Friend, today in this particular promise, you have the assurance of Jesus when we talk about eternal security. Here is a passage of Scripture that cannot be denied, that cannot be ignored. He said, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise, not for any reason, cast out. Now, if you could lose your salvation, it would have exceptions and and clauses to the rule and clauses to the statement. But I'm telling you, this is a promise that the Lord Jesus himself made. He said, him and all that the Father gives me, he said, I will in no wise cast out. He said and promised in Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28, Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In Matthew 6, 33, he gave us another incredible promise. He said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. In Matthew chapter 28, and verse number 20, we find the Lord speaking these words, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. One of the most amazing promises in the scripture is found in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 5. When well, we have the promise of the Lord, he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And on and on this morning, we could give you promise after promise that was made by the Lord Jesus himself. His personal integrity is placed upon each one of those promises. But I tell you today that the promise that puts a bow on all of the other promises is the one that he made in John chapter 14 when he said, If I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. Friend, he promised over and over again throughout the scriptures that he would come again. In fact, the last recorded words of Jesus in the Bible are found in Revelation chapter 22, verse number 20, and it contains the promise of his coming. Notice that scripture with me. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Somebody might say, well, preacher, that promise was made over 2,000 years ago and he's still not returned. Well, dear friend, please do not confuse the promises of God with the promises of man. You have to understand that God does not work on our time schedule. The Bible says that his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. Do you realize today that a thousand years to us is equivalent to one day with God? God does not compute time like we do. Man has made many promises along the life's journey. But I will tell you this, no matter who that person is and no matter how powerful they are, his promises can be broken. You have heard a lot of promises on the recent campaign trail. Some of them have already been broken. And I'm telling you just as sure as I'm standing here today, many are being broken right now. Men have always broke their word. You think about it just for a minute. Richard Nixon promised to us all that he was not a crook, but he was. Bill Clinton promised he did not have an affair with Monica Lewinsky, but he did. What I'm saying is, listen very carefully, the words that Jesus spoke cannot be compared to the words that man spoke. This Bible was written by men, but it was given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is God's preserved Word. Titus chapter 1 verse 2 says, In the hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. And friend, what I want you to understand today is that the king is coming. Let me remind you again that there is a huge difference between the rapture and the revelation. Just as every coin in your pocket has two sides, so does the return of the king. The first part, or the first advent of his second coming, is when the Lord Jesus returns for his bride. Friend, that's when you had better be saved. There's a lot of people playing church and going through the motions today. Believing with all of their heart that if they're not really saved, they can get saved and make it right with God before it's eternally too late. But none of us have the promise of seeing the sunset tonight. I want you to know you'll not be given a second chance. If you've ever heard a clear presentation of the gospel, you will never ever be given a second chance. And there's not one person who has attended Buford Road Baptist Church that would leave this service and declare that they have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. Friend, none of us today are without excuse. The second part of His coming, which is the second advent, I want you to know the revelation of Jesus Christ is when He returns in glory and power to defeat the enemies, and to establish his earthly kingdom. Everything that Jesus has ever said is faithful and true. Now there are three simple things in the message today, the King is coming, that I want to share with you very quickly. First of all, his revelation will be visible. I want you to think about that. Now if you have your Bibles open, Turn with me to the book of Zechariah chapter 13 and I want you to notice verse number 6. The Bible says, And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? You see, when he comes back, he's going to be coming back with authority. But as he is leading the procession, someone will say, What are those wounds in your hands? How did you get them? I'm telling you, every eye will see him. What are these wounds in thy hand? Then he shall answer those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Now take your Bibles with me today and turn to Revelation chapter 19. I want you to see something here. When the rapture takes place, it will be swift. It will be in the twinkling of an eye, as the Bible says. At the sound of the trumpet, when the rapture takes place, the dead in Christ shall rise first then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. You see, the lost world will not see Christ at this point. It will be an instantaneous disappearance all over the world of born-again believers. They will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. They will lay down this body of corruption for one of incorruption. This body of mortal for one of immortality. And in the twinkling of an eye, they will be changed, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, and they will meet the Lord in the air. It will happen so suddenly, it will create worldwide pandemonium. With no announcement, he will return like a thief in the night. No one will see that but the sainted millions. However, when Jesus returns in the revelation, According to the scripture, everyone, everywhere in the world will know about it. Now when he comes, what do they see? What will they be looking at when he returns? What will they notice in Revelation 19 verse 11? This is what they will see. The Bible says, and I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty God. And he had on his vesture and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You say, well, Pastor, how do you know that every person is going to see him when he comes? Revelation chapter 1. Notice this in verse 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye, not just some of them, the Bible says that every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. If you go back and cross-reference with that passage in Zechariah 13, the Bible says, and they also which pierced him, all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Amen. If the revelation of Jesus Christ will be visible to the entire world, that's exactly what they're going to see. In Revelation 19, verse 12, they're going to see his eyes as they were a flame of fire. Notice that. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. You see, friend, there is going to be a big difference Compared to the last time the world saw Him to this time when they see Him. You see, the last time they looked into His eyes, they were beaten and swollen. They were bloodshot and red. They were filled with salty tears of pain and rejection. But when Jesus returns in the Revelation, His eyes will not portray the eyes of a meek and lowly lamb, smitten with grief, acquainted with sorrows. But this time people will look into his eyes and see that he has not come as a lamb, but he's come as the Lion of Judah. Now he does not come as a servant, but as a king. Now he does not come to suffer, but to judge. Now he does not come to die, but to bring death with him. Revelation chapter 19, verse 12. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew, but he himself. You see, not only are they going to look into his eyes, but they're going to notice the crowns. This is much different than the first crown he wore. The Bible teaches us that when they plaited that crown of thorns upon the brow of Jesus, those thorns were three inches long. And when those Roman soldiers plaited it on his head, they shoved it down, penetrating into the bone of his skull. Verse 12 says he will appear not only with eyes as if they were flames of fire and not only with many crowns, but verse number 12 says he's also going to come with a new name. It will be a name of mystery. Because you see, the Bible says no man would know it. It would be a name of ministry. If you read that passage, he's going to be called the word of God. Let me say this right here. This is how the Lord Jesus has always ministered to us. And that's through his word. In the book of Genesis, he spoke the worlds into existence with his word. In the gospels, he spoke peace to the storm with his word. With his word, he brought healing to the sick Forgiveness to the sinner. He brought life to the dead. God has always worked through His Word. He will never, ever operate outside of it. When Jesus returns in the revelation to fight this battle, He does not bring with Him guns and tanks and artillery, warplanes and nuclear weapons. All He brings with Him is His spoken Word. Now I want you to see how powerful that is. The book of Hebrews chapter 4 verse number 12. Turn your Bibles there quickly. The word says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now quickly turn your Bibles to the book of Isaiah chapter 11 and verse number 4. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. He will bring with him a new name, a new ministry. But it will also be a name of majesty In Revelation chapter 19, verse number 16, the Bible says, And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Pilate, the Roman governor, had it part way right. You see, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, Pilate hung a sign over his head that said, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. But friend, I want you to know something today that Jesus is far more than simply King of the Jews. You see, the Bible says that not only is he the king of the Jews, but he is the king of kings and lord of lords. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the lily of the valley, the sweet rose of Sharon. He's the fairest of 10,000. He's the bright and morning star. He's the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I'm telling you, and at that name of Jesus, the word says, every knee will bow. We'll see that scripture in just a minute. When Jesus returns in the Revelation, the entire world will be forced to confess that he is king of kings and that he is Lord of lords. This world will be forced to confess that it's never ever been about Muhammad and Allah and Buddha and nature and trees and about saving the whales and letting your conscience be your guide, but that it has always been about and forever will be about Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, being the only way to heaven. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 9, The Bible says wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of the things in heaven and the things in earth and the things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So the first thing that I want you to know about this Tremendous revelation. And the king is coming is that it will be visible to the entire world. Secondly, I want us to know that his revelation will be one of the most violent things that has ever shaken the foundations of this earth. In Revelation chapter 19 verse 17, and these events I know are uncomprehendable. But I want you to notice And I want you to read with me. Revelation 19 verse 17. And I saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried with a loud voice saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven. You see, God has a mission in store for buzzards all over the world. You say, well, I don't know if I can believe that preacher. Well, he had a mission for a rooster. Do you remember it crowed three times? And Peter vehemently over and over denied the Lord. The Bible says that he had a mission for a donkey. He had a mission for the jawbone of an ass. See, God has missions. He had missions for the ravens. God has a mission for the buzzards. In his revelation, he's going to summons them all together. Notice that. And I saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried with a loud voice saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather yourselves together unto the great supper or unto the supper of the great God. You see, I'm telling you that all the fowls of the air will be called upon to dispose of the countless bodies that will be destroyed in the result of God's wrath. Revelation chapter 14, verse 20, notice the scripture. And the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress, even into the horse bridles by the space of a 1,600 furlongs. I'm telling you, friend, that in the battle of Armageddon, when Jesus returns in the revelation, according to these scriptures, the blood will be flowing from this judgment 200 miles long, 10 miles wide, and six feet deep. And I tell you today, if you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you could very well easily be a victim of this violent aspect of His return. You say, well, preacher, that scares me. It scares me to speak it to you. Because there might be somebody here listening to this broadcast right now, who for some reason believes you have all the time in the world, you're going to get your ducks in the row. You're going to work it all out. When you've lived your life, you've crossed all your T's, you've dotted all your I's, then you'll give your heart to Christ. The Bible teaches us that life is like a vapor. It appears for a little while and then vanishes away. His revelation will be violent. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you're left behind in the rapture, friend, you're going to go through seven years of tribulation and you will experience the unbelievable Holocaust of the revelation but not only will his coming his revelation be visible and not only will it be violent but thank God it will be victorious in Revelation chapter 19 notice with me in verse 19 the Bible says and I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse against his army notice that But it's right here that all the armies of the world, when they gather themselves together to fight against Israel and the Lord Jesus, the Bible says that He will allow it. He will allow all of these armies to align themselves together to make the passage and the journey to the Holy Land. And when all of these armies have encompassed about the holy city, Jesus will draw them all to this place called Armageddon. And in Revelation chapter 19, verse 20, the Bible says, with His spoken word, and His victory, this is what will happen. And the beast was taken, and with Him the false prophet that wrought miracles before Him, with which He deceived them that he received the mark of the beast. Those that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image, these both were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. You see, in this battle, Jesus will be victorious. He will defeat the beast, the false prophet, the Antichrist. And he will defeat Satan the Bible says He will send them directly to hell. You can find that in Revelation chapter 20, verse 1 through 3. You see, Jerusalem will be delivered. The satanic trinity will be defeated. And upon that victory, Jesus will begin His 1,000 year reign from the throne of david friend today i'm telling you that the king is coming are you ready for his return should the lord jesus come right now in the rapture are you ready you listen to pastor tony kahoot for more information visit our website at com.